DW Co Show. Here we are, three episodes into season three, episode 43. Derek, how are you, my friend? I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm glad we've got the show rolling again. Yeah, feeling the energy? I'm feeling the energy, and it was just, um, it was boring without it, you know? For the time being, while we were just kind of putting the content together, Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of interaction with the audience. With the fans. I missed my friends. Yeah, we really we really bring a lot to the uh, higher ed in Jacksonville conversations. Yeah. People are missing us right now. And we're going to continue that today. We're talking <laughs> with Scott Gear. Yes, of, Scoots. Of UT Arlington. That's right. Where he works. He'll, he'll explain here in a little bit. But right. I wanted us to, actually, I wanted to ask you a few questions about Scott before we jump into that conversation. Well, of course, I know Scott from Texas Wesleyan, right. where he was... Uh, he held uh, many roles. He was actually a client services, creative services manager like you are. Yep. And then he uh, transitioned into being kind of an integration implementation specialist and then working with the admissions team on all of their uh, marketing funnels and flows. So uh, I've spent a lot of years next to Scott, a lot of long hours, uh, yeah. more than I would like. Well, I'm glad you set it up right there because sure. I do have a question about one of his former jobs. Okay. And uh, <laughs> what school? So wait, 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 wait a second. Where'd you get these questions from? I got these questions from Shelly. Okay. Yeah. And she's <laughs> going to tell her own story here in just a second. Okay. But I'm going to throw you a little softball. I got three quick ones. Three All quick right. ones. All right. Hit me. All right. What school was uh, Scott at before he went to Texas Wesleyan? Ooh. That he worked at, right? Yep. Do you have multiple choice or just a- I know the answer. No, I'm just going to let you answer them. It was at UNT. Boom. University of North Texas, then Texas Wesleyan, then on to UTA. That That's guy right. has been around in DFW a little. You talked a lot about um, CRM, integration, uh, enrollment, right? Uh, and um, yeah. What the nerve it? center. Yeah. What was his job at UNT before he came to Texas Wesley? Oh. He worked in student services, but I don't know what he did. <sighs> student, uh, he was a student success coordinator. He did serve that role for a little bit, but he was actually the marketing coordinator right before he came ah, to Texas Wesleyan. Yeah, so you right. taught, you said a lot of those high-level terms of the job he does now, but he was actually in the marketing. Worked his role. way uh, up from the from really just being a student. And here's a, little, a, a last one that's real personal to you. Okay. What year did Scott graduate TCU? You guys oh. are both Horned Frog grads? Before me. Okay. Uh, I graduated in 2007. Now, if I remember right, I can't remember if he graduated in 03 or 05. I think he graduated in 03. He graduated in 2003. Ding, ding, ding. That's, yes, a, great that right? way, that's a great way to move on to Shelly Short. <laughs> you got it right. Three for three, sort of, actually. We'll give you a two, 2.5 for three because uh, you technically got one half right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to move into Shelly Short. She's got a little story of her own about Scott, and then we'll get into the interview. Awesome. I love Scott Gear. He's he's just been a friend of mine for many, many years. He's super talented. But there is no one person who was more made to be a camp counselor, which he was, than Scott. Literally. Gere. I mean, he is a he is in some ways a human Birkenstock, you know. Um he's that's just his nature. He's like helpful and perky. That's all I have. If you imagine like a pair of cargo shorts that had a personality, I think that would be Scott Gear. <laughs> yes. And a good personality. He's a super yeah. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think 
Yeah, going back to one of the first interactions I had with him um, about being helpful, like, I started TX West in August. I broke my arm at the end of October and it just like completely shattered my left arm, couldn't use it. And Scott, what, like, I barely knew him, just came over and disassembled my chair, like, took the arm off, like, made it so I could, you know, have my arm in my sling and be comfortable, but still type and, like, use the mouse. He was just, like, so helpful and, um, yeah, like, welcoming. And I didn't know who this guy was, but here he was just, you know, taking apart my desk for <laughs> me. He, I'd never worried about him, like, not being helpful. Like, he was, like, or us not being helpful as an author. Always the first, yeah to step yeah. up and just like you know be there yeah dude love to challenge you know like he'll take that challenge <laughs> i mean <laughs> good, i guess but you know yeah uh, and he was always the first to challenge people too like he was an instigator in the office for all kinds of weird <laughs> shit like i remember walking into the office one time and him and chuck were just like on the floor having a planking contest and i walked in and i'm like yeah dude just like what's up planking. <laughs> like 30 second plank challenge in the middle of the day. Yeah, he definitely like, and I mean this in a good way, like he brought the best version of dad vibes to the office. You know what I'm oh, saying? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> good dad vibes. Sure. I feel like, I don't know, I think to see him also like, like right when he started at Texas Wesleyan, he was getting engaged. Um, and through that right. whole time, we watched him like get engaged, get married, have his honeymoon, have a, a child. <laughs> yeah. We all called Joseph. Her name was Josephine, and we just called her Josephine of the Rita. Uh, uh, yeah, Baby J. Like, there were so <laughs> many, like, nicknames for his kid. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> oh. But I think the Fajita Rita one was, was definitely a fave. Yeah, he's one of the best. Scott, you're one of the best, buddy. Derek, I'm happy to introduce you to perhaps one of my favorite people. Uh, when it comes to uh, someone that you can trust to get the job done, someone that you can trust that has done the research, and someone that has like kind of kind of a beautiful mind level integration skills, it's my friend Scott Gear. Scott, welcome to DW Co. Show. Welcome, welcome Scott. <laughs> Thank you. That's the best introduction I've had all day. <laughs> Well, have you been introduced other times today? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> Scott, for those who don't, so I worked with Scott at, at Texas Wesleyan, where he hold, held numerous roles related to marketing and branding. Um, and uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about where you are now and kind of what you do. Yeah, thanks. And thanks again for that introduction. So right now I'm the CR CRM director for enrollment management at a large state school university in Texas, uh, University of Texas at Arlington. Yeah, so you get about yeah. 60,000 students um, online and on campus. So I would assume when you're talking to 60,000 students that there is some automated communication that needs to happen. Am I correct in that assumption? You are. And that's a big part of what we're doing there, launching the CRMs, trying to um, enhance the number of automations that we're doing now. Uh, there's definitely more manual work than we prefer right now. But uh, yeah, you kind of have to automate it when you've got... 60,000 students you're trying to talk to and you don't have 60,000 staff doing the talking. Well, and I think this is really interesting and it gets to what we wanted to talk about as far as brand investigations. You start to put together all the communications that need to be automated 
for 60,000 people, let alone 60,000, let's talk about 2,000, 3,000. And you start to see uh, a lot of very revealing things about the brand and how it's being executed. Yeah, I mean, you, you, really, you really do. Um, everyone comes at these, uh, you know, approaches higher education or the, the brand itself from different viewpoints and different lenses and perspectives. They all have different needs and wants. You know, if you're just limiting to prospective students, you know, you have freshmen in transfer uh, transfer students want to know about, you know, how much their courses will translate to the new university. So, you know, f- from a branding perspective, you want to make sure you're relevant to them. And right. part of that relevance is knowing how to speak to them, knowing what their needs are and knowing how to kind of deliver on that as well. How do you go about sorting that out with so many stakeholders and so many people? I assume at some point what you have to do is, um, you know, do some sort of audit or start to look at some level at what all of this communication looks like and who's involved. Yeah, I think that's a great place to begin is kind of what are we doing now, right? Yeah. Um, what have we been doing? How has that worked for us? Are we satisfied with the level of um, goals that we've reached? Are we satisfied with that? Or do we want more? Typically, it's we want more, we want to increase, we want sure. more students, mm-hmm. right? So then you have to kind of dive into what data points you're capturing as well. Um, If you don't capture the data point, then you really can't segment by that data point. So if you're not asking if they're freshmen or transfer, you can't distinguish those communications or separate those. There are a lot of interesting questions that that opens up though, right? Because you have to figure out how do we use this information? Where is it coming from? Where is it going? Um, And I would assume that in doing that, I mean, let's be frank, you start to get into a very territorial space too when you're uh, starting to manage these communications. So how do, you, um, how do you play the role of you know, integrating and connecting the brand while also making sure that each one of these groups uh, you know, and the people that communicate to these groups feel like um, their needs are being met? I mean, it's difficult. I, I, I'd be lying <laughs> if I said it's easy, but yeah. you, I mean, you, you have to get people together and you have to make sure they're aware of what your goals are and really listen to them about what their goals are as well. Um, probably doing more listening uh, at the beginning as well, just so that you can make sure that they feel heard, make sure that not only that they feel heard, but that, that they are heard. Yeah, uh, you want to know what what goals are they trying to achieve, and what goals are are their bosses trying to achieve? Because that's really kind of driving the conversation. And I think oftentimes you realize you have the same goals. Mm-hmm. So once you realize you do have the same goals, then you can talk about the best ways to approach those and reach those goals. And a lot of times, you know, also recognizing the fact that students don't perceive really university communications as being siloed as much as they are. So when I get an email as a prospective student, I'm not thinking, Oh, this is an email from the college of business. They don't realize I got basically the same email yesterday from the admissions office. That's fine. I get it. Yeah. They work independently of each other. Well, no, it's, it's, (laughs) it's one university (laughs) message. It's just, it's just coming from the university. Right. And if you kind of empathize with that perspective, then you can kind of coordinate the collaboration of those efforts. 
one of the harshest drop-offs I think in higher ed communications is between admissions and financial aid. You know, like admissions is these, you know, sort of beautiful pieces and emails and all of this. And then financial aid is like the fine print, right? And numbers, um, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, terms and the place that you were maybe perhaps most looking for help and would need help the most sometimes is the most daunting, you know? Yeah. So let's not, let's not kid ourselves that financial aid is just an incredibly impactful area of deciding, do I go to college and which college do I go to? So, right. You know, it's also, and maybe one of, for some students, the most impactful area that you need to get right. Yeah. And I I think that takes me back to that idea of, all of those, you know, looking at all of those communications together and seeing, like you said, seeing what the common goals are, seeing what the common communications are, because you start to see those drop-offs in tone where you're not maybe helping the student as much as you would like to, where the process is confusing and where people are stopping out. You start to see that when you, you know, spread all that out in a room or you, you know, take a look at it kind of comprehensively. Right. Or you kind of, you kind of um, segment some of your communications or divide, you know, that division of labor of I'm going to let financial aid write this email because they're the experts on financial aid. Right. Right. But I'm going to let housing write this email because they know all of the details about housing. But at the end of the day, those emails don't sound like they're coming from the same university, not to mean not to um, not just how they sound, but how they look, they can be designed wildly differently. Uh, using different, maybe it's even all the same um, official logos that they're looking at, but some of them use a more, let's say, academic logo. Some of them use a more athletic logo and you, you don't see the synergy of that. And they don't, they don't kind of compound and help each other. They're actually kind of just acting um, separately. Yeah. Isolation. Random. Yeah. Kind of like free actors almost or something like that. Right. Right. But you know, when I get an email from, you know, uh, when I get an email from Nike because I went to their website about their products, I I don't get a wildly different email if I'm looking at shoes or I'm looking at shirts. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that same experience we need to replicate. So you, so you've got some experience doing this at, at several institutions. So you're good at, um, integrating and implementing and working and networking. And so I'm curious for those of our listeners who might be at the beginning of this uh, process, maybe they're kind of just out of RFP, kind of looking at um, uh, the CRMs that they want to select. Um, can, can you give them um, a little advice, what, what to look out for, what to think of early in the process that will hopefully um, save them trouble down the road? Well, I'm, that's, a, that's a great question. So if you are kind of in those beginning stages of considering a CRM, I think it's really important to, uh, for all stakeholders to get on the same page about what you're hoping to achieve by implementing the CRM. Yeah. Is it, is it, you know, focused on recruitment? Is it focused on retention? Is it really just a means for reporting data more accurately or is the focus communication I think oftentimes you'll find that it's kind of D, all of the above. All of them, right, yeah. Um, So you, and those times too, you kind of have to prioritize that as well. Some CRMs may be better at certain things than others. You know, this is a great communication tool, but this is really great at processing applications. 
And we get a lot of applications and that's really important to us from a time and resource perspective. So maybe even ranking those as well would be important. You know, that reminds me of an article that we published on uh, the several years ago, which was basically saying like technology is not the solution to your problem, right? Like it can be a way to help, but the solutions and how you're going to operate have to be decided before you start putting those things in the technology box. And so that's something that it sounds like I'm hearing is really important is really before you get into the process and you start wading into the implementation, like know very clearly what the scope is, what you want to do and who it's for. Um, is, it, is it wrong to make an analogy, you know, with online dating? <laughs> Not on DW Co. No, shows. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's what it is. I mean, you have to if you want to be successful in online dating, be honest with yourself and be very clear about what you're looking for in a partner. I mean, that's in a way what a CRM is, right? It's it's a partner to help you get to where you want to go. And if you really know what's important to you and what you're looking for, then that'll, that'll only help you. I feel like I haven't given Derek time in this interview, (laughs) by the way. Uh, So Derek, I, I always like to give you space near the sure. end to just just freestyle. That's just what, well, I was gonna ask. Do whatever you want based on that question. This is more of an online dating question for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I am married, but yeah. go right ahead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what are some what are some of the challenges that you think outside of the technology realm that we could tackle as a team? You know, you talk about uh, stakeholders and some of the strategic partners, but what are some of the other challenges beyond just technology that could help the brand come together as uh, as one from, from your from your seat? Kind of how do you get the mo- yeah. how do you get the most out of the brand uh, uh, from that seat? Yeah, in a way. This, yeah, I think it's important to know, like you know, who's in charge of what, who does what, who makes certain decisions at the table. Um, recently, in, in in my position, I'm finding we're kind of asking ourselves, well, who makes that decision? Yeah. And I think that lack of kind of awareness slows the process down and doesn't give us the best product at the end. Um, we'll get a lot of advice from a lot of people, but which one of those uh, persons we talk to is the decider. Mm-hmm. Knowing that is, is, is really important. Um, also, you know, getting on the same page regarding, um, I guess, consistency and continuity of the brand, knowing kind of, I mean, listen, higher education is great. To some degree, you get a new group of students every year, right? So the seniors last year don't see what, you know, what you're doing this year. But in a way, that's also not true. I mean, in a way, if you're doing it right, you're recruiting these students, you know, from ninth grade and before is where they're really recognizing your brand. If you're waiting to introduce yourself to them by their junior or senior year, I wish you the best of luck. That's an uphill challenge, uh, to be honest. But you have to realize the investment in that total brand and really seek out opportunities to capitalize on that. You know, I think the thing that gets me as just sitting here thinking about it, it's like no matter how integrated your marketing team is on this stuff, like I can guarantee you they could be more integrated. And the reason I say that is because as I think about what needs to happen to make a project like this successful, it's a lot of pre-planning with the team. It's a lot of timing. It's moving in the same speed. And in order to, and that's that is, you know, I think, I think so often with like a CRM project, 
we think of it as wholly divorced from the brand. It's a technology thing, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is it is a momentum builder. It is a, a piece of infrastructure that builds the brand and uh, helps you to communicate it, you know? So, yeah, this is really shield. Um, you know, if we're going to the Marvel days here, <laughs> this is really shield right. that's bringing the Avengers together. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And without that CRM, you're not getting all of these different groups, these different departments and areas to work together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Scott, I, I think we have to end it on the Marvel reference because I am not going to summarize. I'm only going to muddy those waters from there. I'm okay with that. But what we have learned is that the CRM is your shield, that it it gathers your high-red Avengers together. Mm, That's right. I love that. Scott, thanks for being on DW Co. Show. It's great to see you and uh, great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. This was great. Ready to work with D. White & Co.? Email Derek at dwhiteandco.com to schedule a meeting. Well, good to hear from Scott and some higher ed brand investigations. And we're just going to keep the show going. Yeah. In the same spirit. Mm-hmm. True crime. Today's off on brand off brand. Is yeah. Jacksonville, a true crime city. Hey, man, I'm not down with crime. That's not me. <laughs> uh, this is a good topic. Uh, yeah, because, you know, I think um, we have lots of crime. Yep. But that's I, known. That's a known. That's a known fact. Yeah. I noticed that other cities are doing a little better job monetizing their crime into entertainment. Uh, True crime podcasts are everywhere. They are by far like the most listened to thing that, uh, you know, if people are driving down the road, listening to podcasts, they're probably listening to some gruesome murder or something, you know, are you, is that how you do it? Yeah. I love them, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm an old journalist at heart, you know, so I, I, I still run on that beat. I, I like that. I'm listening to one called the MLK tapes right yep. now. It's pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. I took a crime tour in Boston. When we were there. Jessica and I did. Yeah. We saw where the FBI surveilled Whitey Bulger, the famous uh, cool. yeah, Boston mobster and all types of other stuff. So yeah, I'm into it. I want to get uh, Jacksonville into some of this sweet uh, true crime cash. Might bring some people here, bring us <laughs> some money here, make us just look a little cooler overall, but. I mean, what are those stories though? What what can we? It's all in how you can we tell. It's all in how you tell the story. That guy Tim Gilmore from Jack Psycho Geo. Yep. he's always telling cool stories about that. I read about how Otis Tool, who was involved with Henry Lee Lucas and all this stuff in the eighties, like you know, lived in Springfield and, yeah. and burned his mother's house down. Uh, you know, uh, the stuff that's going on. It's probably not good for right now, but. I think there should be more coverage of the stuff that's going on with ATK and KTA, Younging Ace and Fulio. That stuff is uh, serious. This guy's literally rapping about sing, literally singing about their murders. Yeah, rapping about yeah. Uh, you know uh, you know basically rival murders and stuff. Um, uh, you know uh, they we need something lighter. Joke. They think that stuff's a joke. It's not. Eh, he's he's proving his point. <laughs> I respect them all. I respect them all very much. That's right. Yes. 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 Hopefully <laughs> well, they're big DW show fans, by the way. Yeah. We, uh, we, we need something a little lighter is what I'm hearing. That feels, those feel a little dark. You got anything? You're usually something better a little lighter. lighter. Hey, there's nothing better than a happy meal. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Make millions. Yeah. That's where I'm yeah, getting that's at with that. 
Bad, yeah. Maybe a bad joke. But no, I got it. I get but it. McMillions was one that they covered where Jacksonville was uh, uh, affiliated with the the true crime and where most of it took kind of took place. Affiliated with the true crime and most of it took place. And and what you mean by that is <laughs> yeah. that they're. Um, that these people scammed the McDonald's Monopoly game right. in the 90s for millions of dollars. And this hilarious FBI agent, I know that sounds like it's not something you normally say, hilarious FBI agent. <laughs> this guy named Doug Matthews kind of brought him down. And that was like an HBO documentary special uh, last year or a couple years ago. That, that, that was killer. Okay. Yeah. That is what I'm talking about. We need to get a little of that going on. It'd be cool to have like a little tour or a little museum set up for that to learn a little bit more about it too. I mean, I know we've got a documentary, but you know. Yeah, like when we were in Savannah the whole time and you kept wanting right. to go on one of those haunted hearse <laughs> tours. And I was like, we're here for work. We can't do that. Like you're thinking something like that, but yeah. for here. For here, you know. <laughs> I know one one of the thoughts is uh, the haunted river taxi ride. That's fine. You know, Jackson. Like Jackson, Because it's a little sketchy i mean I, if you had the stories to match it up yeah um, it could it could be good especially if you did it at night you're out on the water it's a little spooky things like that but you know being able to tell some of those true crime stories is something yeah we need to make a little money off of yeah it'd, be, it'd give us good content to write about i agree too. i agree derek, derek on the way out the door uh well i guess we should say uh, we should talk about uh we should talk about ryan and and project cold case yeah he's doing this work for real, <laughs> for real. We're this just is... talking. We're being funny. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about entertainment, but but Project Cold Case actually uh, they advocate for uh, victims of of crimes, particularly murders, most often, and um, they've done some really uh, incredible work. Uh, these unsolved murders, you just don't get that feeling of closure. And mm -hmm. there's so many other there's so many other elements to that. And so there's people actually doing really exciting work about. Uh, uh, really providing support and advocacy for these people. Derek, DW Co. Show 43 coming to an end. DW Co. Show 44 uh, on the horizon. On the way out the door, I want to thank you for all the good work you do as always. And, and the floor is yours on the way out the door because uh, I know that you'll grace us with uh, good information about the next episode and, and good words of advice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well, first I just want to say episode 44 coming up. We've got uh, Ann Davis, an old friend of yours, coming yeah. on the screen. Another one of that Texas Wesleyan network that was uh, originally part of that early crew that is now in different places. But talking about PR, talking about PR, yeah. And uh, we might be showing off a, a few DWCO items ah. as well. But I'm not going to get too far into that. Okay. Okay. But but as we go out the door, um, I just want to say, I said it earlier, I'm not a big true, not a big crime guy. Sure, crime's not cool. Right. Hey, keep it keep it clean. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. DW Co. Radio, you can find us at uh, DW Co. Show, all of those good things that we do at dwhiteco.com. And if you want to work with us, Derek, uh, who do they talk to? They can email me, not you, but me, right. uh, Derek at dwhiteco.com. Guys, thanks for listening to DW Co. Show. We will see you on episode 44.